Thanks and welcome. I'm Jim Swan. And I'm Linda Smith. Linda is the CEO and president of BBB Western Ontario. And Ask BBB is a program that gives consumers information from businesses they can trust. And today is Canada Day, a very special day as Canada turns 150. The sesquicentennial is a time for all to reflect on what it means to be Canadian. I'll be down at Harris Park starting at noon today where things start at noon with the First Nations gathering, a ribbon cutting for the new Canada 150 pavilion, and then the planning of a time capsule. Then at 2 o'clock, a special Canada Day citizenship ceremony will see about 60 people sworn in as new Canadians. And not to put a damper on the party, but some newcomers become victims of scams. As always, BBB is on alert for such scams and will have some tips on the ways this happens and the red flags to watch for so you can wave the Canadian flag happily. And June is Seniors Month and we've been talking here on Ask BBB about uh, things involving seniors. We've talked about choosing retirement homes, hearing loss, the need for caregivers. And today we'll discuss the topic of wills, estates and retirement savings plans. Gord Banting of Jeffrey Associates will join us later to address questions about wills and estates and the importance of planning so that the assets you leave are distributed to the people and institutions that are important to you. And of course, you want to have savings and assets to live in retirement and to leave when you go. Registered retirement savings plans are a part of that overall plan. And we welcome Ken Coombs, a certified financial planner with Select Path Benefits and Financial Inc. to Ask BBB. Good morning, Ken. Good morning. How are you guys doing today? Ken, do most Canadian seniors have registered retirement savings plans? Uh, it's a pretty It's pretty fair to say yes, that most uh, seniors do, considering that the RSP themselves are approaching normal retirement age. They were first introduced in Canada in 1957. So most often than not, people of the quote-unquote senior phase uh, would probably have some sort of RSP attached to their investments. Now, you were a guest uh, with us back in February, just ahead of the RRSP deadline, and you said June is a good time to plan RRSPs. So do you get busy at this time of year? Uh, I do get pretty busy uh, around the summer months. Uh, That's basically just to uh, do some client reviews on their portfolios and their financial plans. See, being halfway through the year, most clients already have a handle on uh, what their income is going to be for the year and what their expenses are going to be, including things like major trips or major renovations that they want to do in the house. So at that point, we can take a look at making adjustments to their financial plan or to their cash flow to accommodate for each client's chosen lifestyle. Ken, what is involved when it's time to start drawing money out of the registered savings plan? Is it mandatory to withdraw funds or can you just leave it there? You don't have to start withdrawing funds as soon as you stop working. Uh, You have the ability to leave the money inside the RSP and let it grow tax-deferred until the year you turn 71. At that point, you must transfer it into a registered retirement income fund or a RIF. Uh, At that point, there are prescribed rates that the government has handed down that say you must take out this much money annually. There's a minimum, but there's no maximum. But all the money you take out of it is taxed 100% in your hands. Uh, Starting the the payout phase is simple. It's just as easy as a couple signatures with your advisor. The problem is determining when to start taking the money out. What are some of the considerations to the when? To the when? Uh, it's what is your lifestyle expense costing you? Where? What are your other sources of income? What kind of tax rate are you in right now? How is this going to hamper your government benefits if you start taking it out? Do you have enough money right now to cover off the cost of living that you have set for yourself? 
just uh, that list of questions gives me an idea that we probably want to have a financial advisor help us with you that. Prob- you probably do. It's always good. Uh, studies have shown that people who work with financial advisors are usually well off in, uh, in retirement. So what are some of the terms we're going to hear from our financial planner and what do we need to know? Uh, some terms that you're going to hear are approaching retirement are terms like RIF, that's Registered Retirement Income Fund. That is the payout phase of the, the RSP, or the Registered Retirement Savings Plan. Uh, you're going to hear about CPP, the Canada Pension Plan. You've paid into mm-hmm. it. You and your employer have paid into it for years. Uh, once you a- apply for it, you receive a set benefit based on how much you contribute and for how long you've been contributing. Uh, and it all is based on when you decide to take it as well. If you take it prior to 65, you're penalized. You lose a little bit of the the benefit, and if you take it post-65 up to 70, you get an increase in the amount that you're going to receive from that as well. So we know that some people postpone starting a retirement savings plan. Is there still planning to do when we get to retirement time? And what are some of the biggest mistakes people make when they start using their savings to live? Absolutely. Uh, I think aside from when you're young and you first start your career, retirement is actually the most important time to plan. Uh, At that phase in your life, you have all the time in the world to travel and to spend on hobbies, but you only have a finite amount of money to do all that with. So whatever whatever your nest egg is when you when you stop work, that's all you have. Chances are you aren't going to be making more money when you stop working. So what you need to decide on is how much it will cost you for the first fifteen years of retirement to do all the things that you want to do while you're fit and able to do so at the same time of leaving enough uh, left over so you can have a great life for the remaining years and maybe leave something for the next generation. Hmm. Well, we know that RSPs involve deferred tax. And the theory is that we're in a lower bracket in retirement, so the money we have set aside will be taxed at a lower rate. Is that always the case, Ken? And, and how much does tax influence the amount that we withdraw Taxes play a huge role in determining how much you should take out. Every dollar you take out of your RSP is 100% taxable. Uh, And with our tiered taxation system in Canada, the more you take out, the more you have to pay. If you're collecting a pension and you're collecting your CPP and you take money out of your RSPs, you could be at a relatively high tax rate. Um, Also, you need to keep in mind that old age security or old OAS is an income tested benefit. What that means is that the more you take out, uh, of your, the more you have, have income, sorry, uh, the less benefits you get. So at a certain point, you're going to have zero old age security. So um, that's where tax planning comes in handy. Uh, we, we look at all of your sources of income. Uh, financial planner is definitely able to help you uh, decide where to take the money from and to keep your income below these levels so you can retain the majority of your old age security benefit. Now, you use all these terms very quickly. It, it really underscores the fact that a financial planner has a lot of this information mm-hmm. that will help us as we step through all of this and make these fairly critical uh, decisions about how our money is going to be handled. Right, and, right. And so that we don't have to have a paper route when the money when the money right. ends. Right, eh? right. Yeah, the industry is full of acronyms. And so the financial planner's job is to take all that information and bring it down to a level that is personal to you specifically so that you understand what's going on with your money, where it's coming from, and where it's going to go. And once again, we'd just underscore that you should probably check with uh, BBB, make sure that the financial planner is an accredited business and and uh, uh, give Ken Coombs a call. Yeah. Ken Coombs is a certified financial planner with Select Path Benefits and Financial Inc. And uh, Ken, we thank you once again Great. for joining us here on Ask BBB. Thanks for having me back. Well, we'll return with Ask BBB. And when we do, we'll talk about plans for what's left 
when you leave. So stay right there. And welcome back to Ask BBB. I'm Jim Swan. And I'm Linda Smith. Linda is the CEO and the president of BBB Serving Western Ontario. And we now welcome Gord Banting of Jeffrey Associates to talk about wills and estates. Welcome, Gord. Thank you very much. In our last segment, we were talking about retirement savings and planning. Um, is a will part of that financial planning? Absolutely. A will is fundamental to the final planning for your affairs during your life. And it's a, a sort of an unselfish thing that you can do to make life a lot better for the people you leave behind. So why do I need a will? You need a will so that you make the decisions on what happens upon your passing. You make the decision who's in charge, naming the executor or state trustee. Failing having a will, it's left for the courts to make a decision on who is appointed. That's not a great way to start. Secondly, you can make uh gifts to the beneficiaries you wish to benefit in the the shares that you wish to make. Uh, If you have infant children, for instance, you need a trust. Infant children can't receive their their benefits immediately upon your passing, so if they're under age of majority. You also can delay passing of gifts to other people who are perhaps not so good at handling money. You can also prepare for your spouse to receive uh, proper share under that will if you have a spouse. And if you don't have a spouse, you can make gifts to the people that you wish. Um, why not own the uh, assets jointly so that if I die, it just goes to the joint owner and bank accounts and the house and the rest of that? Is that a way to get around a will or, or something that just happens? It is a way to get around a will. It does come with some problems and issues. Um, two spouses owning their house together hold it as joint tenants. Upon the passing of one, it goes to the other. So that's a great way to avoid having that home part of a probate application and it goes directly and you don't need a will to do that. Joint bank accounts, etc., all between spouses are, are a great way to deal with it. Beyond the spouse, there is a concern though. If you have assets that you try to make jointly held uh, with somebody who's not your spouse, there's a, a, a legal principle that it's held under a resulting trust and that means it comes back to the estate, basically. So you may have a problem by by doing that. Uh, if people do that to avoid probate fees, for instance, but there's a question of whether that can be successful in that scenario. You may also be aware of problems of doing it that you wouldn't even think about. If mom puts the house in her name and her children's names, and one of the children, unbeknownst to her, is in the middle of a divorce proceeding. Hmm is being sued, um, perhaps uh, has some other debts. Um, what if that child dies before mom does? We, we could have some problems. When uh, In our, our system of uh, justice in Ontario, if a, if a creditor gets a judgment against a person, they file it with the sheriff of the county that the, judge, that the person lives in. It attaches to all real property they own. So if, you, if mom puts the house in the name of her children, now that judgment against her child will attach to her house. So that underscores that we really do need a will. Yes, I think yeah. you really do. Uh, we often see in the movies and hear stories where families gather and they hear the reading of the will. And uh, Do people discuss the will with the family or is it usually a surprise and the reading of the will reveals all? First of all, in, in my practice, I don't see the reading of the will per se. So I think it's more of an American 
presentation in uh, courtroom dramas and um, dramas on TV. The, but there are two schools of thought um, on the sharing of the contents of a will. One is that people want to tell people what's in the will and they discuss it. The problem I have with that is sometimes we change our mind, circumstances change. Maybe Johnny was getting the house in the first will and then later on you discovered Johnny's a drug addict and you don't want to leave him the house. Mm -hmm. So then when it comes to the passing, Johnny's upset that he didn't get the house and he's ready to challenge the will. So there are circumstances where you don't want to share all the contents of your will because things may change. So can you write your own will or do you need to have a lawyer? You don't need to have a lawyer. Um, you can certainly write your own will. I think it's much like those uh, ads where you have self-help people doing things that they can't control, the <laughs> DIY dis uh, disasters. I have in my practice in in the scenario where a person had passed about 12 wills that were not professionally prepared. Two of them were okay. So the odds are not good in my experience. So the, the law is complex. The circumstances uh, that you have are not identical to your friend or your neighbor or someone else. I think you're well advised to get professional help. That being said, some people's lives are simple enough that they could do their own will. I just think that it's a little bit uh, too – the law is too complex to, to ignore getting professional advice on it. Does each partner in a marriage need a separate will or do you do it together? The Each partner needs their own will and I highly recommend that they do it together. Uh, it's a joint retainer for the lawyer to prepare wills for a husband and wife um, and they need to have their own will. It's not a single document but each one would be in my practice mostly a mirror of the other one so that we make the same gifts in either will so the order of death doesn't matter. If the husband passes away and leaves everything to his wife, that's fine and the wife might leave everything to the husband. But if they both die, you want the next level of gifting to be the same so the order does not matter. So are there any circumstances when one individual would have two wills? Yes. There are circumstances where you would have two wills and there are several that I can recite. One is the province has left uh, an ability for a business person who has, say, a private corporation to create a primary and a secondary will. The primary will would deal with the general estate. The secondary will would deal with assets that don't need to be probated, for instance, the shares of that privately held company. And therefore, those assets passing in the secondary will would not have to be probated and you wouldn't pay fees on the value of that company. The second scenario where you might have multiple wills is if you have assets in another country. Uh, my, my qualification is to prepare a will that's valid in Ontario. If you have assets in another country, then you may want to consult a lawyer in that country and prepare a will that just deals with those assets alone. There's an awful lot to um, setting up an estate and, and will and I know there are a lot of uh, questions that we're going to leave unanswered here today, Gord. We want to thank you very much for being part of of Ask BBB, and perhaps we'll have you back again so we can look into things like power of attorney and uh, power of care as well. Be pleased to. But thanks for being with us here on Ask BBB on this Canada Day. And when we return, we'll talk about Canada being a new country 
and some of the problems those newcomers run into. Welcome back to Ask BBB. I'm Jim Swan. And I'm Linda Smith. Well, thousands of Canadian newcomers prepare to take their oath of citizenship during Canada Day ceremonies, and the Better Business Bureau is warning immigrants and new Canadians that scammers are always ready for new targets. Scammers prey on immigrants who aren't familiar with our language, legal system, and other areas of Western culture and try to take advantage of their trust and money. Sometimes newcomers don't want to speak up to ask questions if they're unsure of something or feel embarrassed to come forward if they do find themselves caught in a scam. Many of our public presentations throughout the year are in front of groups like this to help raise awareness. Okay, Linda, so are there common scams that target immigrants and new Canadians? Yep, there are. The Canadian Revenue Agency Scam, CRA, in 2015, the CRA scam cost Canadians $2.9 million. Scammers impersonated the CRA and usually target newcomers with aggressive phone calls or emails claiming they owe the government money. If they don't pay, the scammers threaten the newcomer with deportation, to be thrown in jail or even have their kids taken away from them. Another one is the Citizenship and Immigration Canada CIC scam. This operates much like the CRA scam. Victims are threatened with deportation over the phone unless they pay to re-register with CIC. There's an employment scams, a variety of different types, including mystery shopper jobs, work-from-home opportunities, companies that require you to buy materials or pay to work there, or companies that ask for your social insurance number or other personal information before they hire you. Uh, There's also rental scams, fraudsters renting properties that aren't theirs or don't even exist. Uh, Then the passport identification fraud, scammers impersonating people in positions of authority, such as government officials, lawyers, and immigration consultants. And then there's the dating and marriage scams, fraudsters initiating romantic relationships online or in person for the sole purpose of taking the victim's money. Of course, not just newcomers are subject to some of those, Linda. So how do the scammers usually contact newcomers? You know, Jim, in many different modalities, uh, in person, affinity scams we've talked about before are often conducted in person by someone you know. These scams exploit trust and friendship. And then over the phone, examples include grandparent scams where people pretending to be a young relative of a grandparent who needs money for an emergency or a phony tax collector who requires money or identity. Of course, on the Internet, where scammers are pretending to represent Revenue Canada or other government officials, are all examples of Internet fraud. Both scams are looking for money or identity information such as social security numbers, SINs. Sites like Kijiji and Craigslist are also favorite places for scammers. Uh, Then by mail, lottery scams and mystery shopper scams are commonly distributed throughout the mail. Both scams ask for money up front before the transaction can be completed. And then finally, through publications, including newspaper ads, advertising non-existent rental properties, and phony offers of employment. So I guess what we want to know is, how do newcomers protect themselves when um, some of these things come up, Linda? Uh, Several ways, Uh, and they include uh, installing antivirus software, filters, and firewall programs on your computer. Don't reply to any requests for your personal or financial information. 
Verify the request for information is legitimate. Delete suspicious emails and then, really importantly, delete them from your trash. Monitor your bank statements regularly. Deal with legitimate investment advisors. Don't wire money to people you don't know. And it's okay to hang up on the phone or close the door when you're suspicious. Now, a lot of these um, are good general information for just about anybody out there. Uh, newcomers have another barrier, and that is some of them don't have the, all the language skills. So uh, I guess one of the first things we would recommend is that they go to the BBB and check out any business or uh, any firm that is approaching us. Uh, that would be one step. And then I guess uh, we as Canadians who've been here for a while might befriend some of these newcomers and help them through some of this maze and make sure. Definitely our website, uh, www.bbb.org, is an excellent resource, and we'll make sure that all of this information is online and available for any of the listeners who want to follow up with any of these scams and information. Uh, In fact, there is a a segment on the BBB site that looks at uh, scams. So any of the scams that we've talked about over the months here on uh, Ask BBB, uh, you will be able to find information on on the BBB website. Uh, And that's uh, under an area that's uh, uh, clearly labeled scams. And it reviews all of the the scams. I know back at uh, Christmas time in November, and uh, as the new year approached, we looked at the top scams of the season. And that reviewed everything that had gone on uh, in the past 12 months. And some of the scams that you've talked about were mentioned there, Linda. So that's still on our site. You can still go back and look at uh, the history of scamming uh, as well. It is. I think also what you'd be looking for, we uh, published and talked about the top 10 scams in Canada. And those are all iterated on the site. You'll Mm -hmm. be able to find those. So we we definitely uh, would recommend that you go to Ask BBB. And here on this Canada Day, if uh, you're at the citizenship ceremony and you see some of those new Canadians uh, being sworn in as Canadians, you'll think about the advantages of being Canadian here and then perhaps... Uh, befriend some of those and let them know that you're somebody that they can rely on to uh, to trust and, and help them through some of the mazes that uh, they might be presented with. So, Linda, um, we hope everybody will have a great Canada Day and great celebrations. I know that uh, there's a lot going on uh, here in the city that uh, will help everybody with celebrations. It's right across the city. I personally am going to be down at Harris Park. Things start there at uh, at noon today, and uh, that starts with a gathering of First Nations, and then there's a citizenship ceremony that takes place starting at 2 o'clock, and the officiant there is uh, an old friend of broadcaster Bill Brady, and so we're looking forward to all of that happening this afternoon down at uh, Harris Park, and it goes through with entertainment right through the afternoon and concludes with what I'm told will be one of the most spectacular fireworks that we've ever seen in the city. So happy Canada Day. And we will be back again next week with Ask BBB. Contact us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at Ask BBB Western On. If you have any questions or guest suggestions, tweet us at hashtag Ask BBB. And thanks to our program producer today, Chris Lavoie, BBB Operations and Sales Manager. Until next time... I'm Jim Swan. 
And I'm Linda Smith. Remember, ask BBB. And start with trust.